Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Radiant. Timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I've often thought that every single romantic relationship is like a country all its own, with its own unique rules, its own uh, unique social mores, and so on. And everybody else is, to some degree or another, an outsider. But whenever we talk about relationships in general, we run into some strange, complicated, and ridiculous things. Hi, I'm Ben. Hey, Ben. I'm Noel. Hey, wow. Noel. I'm sorry. I was confused there. You got a, it. Where, where am I today? It's been one of those. Um, I'm really fond of that expression. I think it's a good way of looking at it because it's like, it's sort of like the whole idea of we're all protagonists in our own story. Another uh, expression uh, you enjoy. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy it. Um, and I enjoy hanging out on this show, Ridiculous History. That's Right? I'm having one of those days, too. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're we're here for that reason, right? We are here for that reason. Oh, great. That means that our super producer, Casey Pegram, is also here. Casey, I'm going to lean back and wave at you. He really did it. I got a thumbs up. Uh, so... The three of us are are people who have had our ups and downs in love without getting too personal. Now, we're not incels or anything, but, you know, uh, the course of true love never did run smooth, as other people want to say. And today's episode is about the end of some romantic relationships. It's about the end of marriages, but not in the typical way. Not a marriage that ended in divorce. Not a marriage that ended in death. Not even a marriage that ended in annulment. We're talking about something very strange today, and it takes us all the way back to merry old England. That's right, Ben. Between 1780 and around 1850, there was um, a pretty fascinating and bizarre practice that uh, gained popularity out of necessity, really, uh, weirdly, in England. Um, It was the practice of selling wives or wife selling. Yeah. 
And that's, it, it's, it's not a euphemism for anything, and that's literally what it was. That's exactly what it sounds like. The BuzzFeed headline would be, um, Englishmen sell their wives. But there's more to the story, and it's not, it's not the same kind of perhaps human trafficking or chattel slavery that you might associate with, quote-unquote, selling a person. So let's journey back to the 1750s, say. And you're an average, you're an average household, you're not aristocratic, maybe you're working class or lower working class, and you run into irreconcilable differences. And you, as maybe both of you decide amicably that your marriage should, uh, your marriage should end, you should dissolve it. Then you start looking into the process of dissolving your marriage, and you quickly learn some really depressing, difficult stuff. Yeah, there's depressing stuff on both sides of the equation. Uh, For women of this time, one of the most depressing factors was that they had no property rights. They were basically considered – not only did they have no property rights themselves, they themselves were basically considered the property of their husband. And uh, they had no – Recourse, if the husband wanted to annul the marriage, they themselves could not choose to annul the marriage. It was entirely up to the husband to make this decision. Even worse, and this is something that was bad for the husband, it was incredibly expensive because there was no such thing as a divorce. The first divorce didn't even come around until 1857. So the only way to get separated legally was to get a private act of parliament and then have it be blessed by the church. And that private act of parliament did not come cheap. It did not. And let's step back here for a second because divorces could occur, but they were something that was essentially relegated to the higher class of people in society at the time. Obtaining a private act of parliament would cost around 3,000 pounds. And that cost did not That cost was essentially a a note of exception to Britain's otherwise very, very strict law about divorce. And it still just got you halfway through the game because if the church didn't want to give their blessing, then you were SOL, straight out of luck since this is a family show. This was expensive. This took a long time. And people eventually had to find some sort of alternative plan. Uh, also, uh, 3,000 pounds for that act of parliament, that is about, if we run it through the inflation calculator, that's about 15,000 pounds in our modern age. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. And that 3,000 pounds is just the bottom, the scraping the bottom, right? It could easily become uh, a higher fee, 3,500 or so. What factors do you think would have led to any fluctuation in the price? Nepotism. Really? I mean, I think so. Yeah, if you are if you are a, let's say you are a member of parliament, you're a, a lord, an aristocrat of some sort, then you have the funding to get this act passed through. But it may have been a quid pro quo thing. It may have been a a mutual back scratching arrangement, right? And so maybe if there wasn't uh, some favor that you could grant in addition to being able to pay this 3,000 pounds, maybe they would up the price. And they say, oh, for you, buddy, it's 4,500 or something like that. So there wasn't a, a strict schedule that decided what people would pay exactly. And this was an annulment, right? The average person could not afford an annulment. And again, 
as we pointed out, these decisions were primarily made by the dudes at the time. So instead, the husband would do something that sounds very strange and disturbing. He would take his spouse to the local marketplace or even a cattle auction, a livestock auction. Then he would register his wife as property to be sold. And symbolically, a rope would be placed uh, somewhere around her body. Right. Was this just like for the symbolism? Like, I don't understand what the function of this rope was. Is It, it feels symbolic. It's so strange. It feels symbolic. Uh, it would be around the person's neck, their waist, or their wrist. And then they would have to go stand up on an auction block while people bid on this human being. Well, because let's be real. I mean, if anything, maybe correct me if, if, if I'm not thinking about this the right way. This is sort of a loophole. They're trying to figure out a semi-legal way of doing this thing, of ridding themselves of, of this unwanted property? Yes, yes, spot on. You're absolutely right. Because at this time, uh, these people might not have any recourse, and maybe both the wife and the husband wish to part ways. They may be cooperating in this regard. This is an illegal practice. It's definitely a loophole. But the authorities, many of whom probably could not afford a divorce themselves, would turn a blind eye to it. It would get ignored the way that uh, some other minor infractions are ignored in society today, like jaywalking, for instance. Sure. You're rarely going to get busted for that. Did you know that the term jaywalking was— Yeah, it's a conspiracy. Yeah. It it was like uh, it was trumped up as a term of abuse for pedestrians. Yep, that's that's exactly true uh, because this was during the propagation of automobiles. Right, Yeah. yeah. We have a car stuff episode on it. There's the a history really, of jaywalking. That's right. I remember that. And there's a really great Adam Ruins Everything episode about just how cars are actually quite terrible and, you know, infrastructure mm-hmm. that's based around driving is really just not very functional at all and yada, yada, yada. Oh, I've got another one while we're on the tangent. Uh, Litterbug is another hit piece. It was created to take the focus away from the amount of waste that goods manufacturers create and put the focus on people. So it's your job to take care of the waste. Brilliant Machiavellian stuff. Total bait and switch. You're kind of <laughs> like a sleight of hand kind of move. Misdirection. You know? There you go. Prestidigitation. Man, you nailed that pronunciation, man. That's a tongue twister. We practiced that off air. Hey, come Thanks on. for editing that part out, Casey. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. 
You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. But we're right, you know, that this, this is a loophole. People are turning a blind eye to it. And... At times, the description of it seems almost uh, jovial, you know, because what did they do after they made this sale? They drank, probably. <laughs> they went to a bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they celebrate. had a divorce party. What's interesting about this, though, Ben, is that there's something else going on beneath the surface because on first glance, this entire charade just seems just ugh, grossly misogynistic. And, of course, it is. But – there's an aspect that we haven't talked about yet. The woman actually had like a veto vote over who she went with, and she was likely just as ready to get out of this marriage as the husband was to be rid of her. Mm -hmm. And this was in a weird way uh, gave her the ability to kind of control her destiny much more than she would in, in an annulment where she was just, you know, thrown out into the street with no property. Right, and we have found specific instances, uh, documented occurrences of this happening. It's not a rumor. There's a great article from the Review of Behavioral Economics called Wife Sales uh, by Peter T. Leeson and a few other authors, and they describe in no uncertain terms specific situations where this occurs. There was a gentleman named Moses Maggs who – we have a quote from in the course of attempting to sell his wife. And I'm not going to do a voice, but it's written, it's written in that way, that kind of condescending way that authors of yesteryear would write whenever they thought someone had a 
lower class accent, you know, there's a lot of weird apostrophes, a lot of misspelled words, but here it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, I ax laugh to oppose your notice. Her's a good creature and goes pretty well in harness with a little flogging. Her can carry a hundred and a half of coals from the pit for three good miles. Her can sell it well and put it down her throat in less than three minutes. Now, my lads, roll up and bid spirited. I bought her through the turnpike and paid the mon the toll for her. I brought her with a halter and had her cried. Now, gentlemen, who bids? Going, going, going. I can't delay. As the auctioneer says, I can't dwell on this lot. Come, say six shillings. This is a horse you're talking about, right, Ben? One would think, Noel, uh, this is Moses Mag selling his wife. She consented to be sold when they finished the transaction, she was sold for six shillings and three gallons of ale. What was that part, though, about putting her in some sort of harness? A halter, yeah. What? I don't understand. You're going to have to help dissect this one for me a little bit, Ben. There's something about coal carrying loads. It was uh, talking about what that guy saw as the skills of his former spouse. Jeez Louise. I know. And there's a bit of a puzzle here, according to these authors, because this sale of someone's spouse resulted in the de facto dissolution of a marriage because the de jour, the legal way, was very, very difficult. But it wasn't the only de facto way to dissolve a marriage. You could have a judicial separation or you could privately say, look, no one has the time or money for a divorce, but let's just go live separately. You know what I mean? You could do those things. Sure. So it's it's a bit confusing uh, for us to understand how this practice of selling someone in a public space became, I don't know, not commonplace, but became a real thing. Yeah, and I was trying to kind of get to a point about how this sort of afforded the wife a bit more control than she would have had otherwise by consenting. Like you said, she consented to be sold, mm-hmm. even though that got A bit more agency, at least. Yeah, a little bit more agency. And in this article from Motherboard by Ben Richmond called Why Wife Selling Was Advantageous for Wives that uh, cites that same paper uh, by Peter Leeson that you were talking about, and he makes the point that in the records of the um, near nearing around 300 wives that were sold between 1780 and 1850, all signs point to almost every single one of them being consensual or Mm -hmm. the the wife being all for it. Yeah. And (laughs) there's a, there's a great part. I'm glad you bring up this article because there's, there's a great part of there where they talk about how the concept of marriage has evolved. You know, in 2019, most of the time when we think of people marrying, at least in the Western world, we think of people marrying because they, have genuine affection for one another. They like each other, right? However, that wasn't the case. That's that's relatively recent. Until about 200 years ago, marriage was thought of as much more of a transactional economic relationship. You Absolutely, know? yeah. So Justin E.H. Smith in an essay for Lapham's Quarterly has the following quote describing how marriage had been for the bulk of human history. Marriage was, for most of human history, a variety of exchange, one that consolidated social ties between families or clans. And it's sort of like that conversation we've had before about why people had so many more children than they do now. Sure. At least in in Europe and in the U.S. It's because you would have children as free labor. 
And then as health insurance, when you're elderly, they would take care of you. Yeah, and if that, uh, that what is that, like a Craigslist post-sounding ad for that wife that was up for sale is any indication, I think wives were probably treated as slave labor a bit too. God, it's terrible, yeah. you know? But here's the thing. Um, in, the, in the Motherboard article, uh, Leeson goes on to point out something that I hadn't even considered. Who are the ones that are in the market for these, uh, as he refers to them, used wives? <laughs> Right, or unhappy wives. Yeah, exactly. So who is it? It, Well, it's a couple of different possibilities. It could be folks who have just not, who have been unlucky in love, you know, and just haven't done very well in the traditional kind of marriage marketplace. It could be uh, folks acting on behalf of wealthy individuals Mm -hmm. who are just on the lookout for maybe, maybe they're like wealthy, you know, widowers or something like that looking Mm -hmm. for a new wife. Or it could actually be the families of the wives themselves. Ah, I see. Yeah. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. 
Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Essentially, the economic argument here is that wife sales permitted unhappy women to trade a marriage that they didn't particularly care for uh, with a marriage that they valued more. So this seems like an improvised system that was organically created to get around the laws of the time. It is still, it's always going to be a little bit puzzling because there were other avenues for de facto divorce. But Lisa and his team found that wife sales benefited wives rather than harmed them. And they argue that without this institution, at least some unhappy spouses in industrial revolutionary England would have remained trapped in inefficient marriages that they wanted to exit. I'm laughing at the phrase inefficient because it's weird to hear economists describe marriage. They weigh in on it in the following perspective. The way that we think of marriage from an economic perspective is to think about how much each of the spouses value being in the marriage relative to one another and relative to living outside the marriage. So it makes sense to me that an economist would look at this from a value-based transactional perspective rather than like the love, the, you know, the romance the sticking together for the kids, all the things that are so common today, right? It seems that we are in a very privileged position where we have more agency in our own relationships, regardless of who you are and how you identify. The truth of the matter is that uh, you can marry people because you like them now instead of needing to, you know, end the blood feud between your clans or to get a dowry and so on. What even is a dowry? It's the it's the payoff that the bride's family gives to the groom. So it's just a cash cash offering, basically. I think it could be it could be a bartering thing. It could be property. Uh, it's it's brought like you marry you agree to marry someone at least traditionally, and then the bride comes with maybe it's uh, maybe it's land, right? Maybe it's livestock. Maybe it's just straight up cash. But, you know, loophole that this thing was, it really started to kind of lose its luster. And, and uh, husbands who were trying to sell their wives kind of became a little bit looked at as social pariahs. And it just wasn't done. You know what I mean? Um, so the practice kind of went away. But apparently uh, the Vintage News writes that they found a case as recently as 1913 when a woman um, said that her husband sold her to one of his work buddies for one pound. So that's a, obviously an outlier, but yeah, what an interesting practice. And the whole idea that it was somehow better <laughs> than the alternative uh, for, for women. But yeah. Yeah. So the decline of wife sales uh, largely coincided with the rise of more equal property rights and the ease of getting a legitimate or de jour divorce. Uh, uh, also, the the speeches from these people who are attempting to sell their sell their spouses are are so strange for instance there's one guy in 1832 i just want to list this off he lists his spouse's bad and good qualities as he saw them he called her a born serpent 
and advised prospective buyers to avoid frolicsome women as you would a mad dog, a roaring lion, a loaded pistol, or cholera. Then he listed her assets, which included the ability to milk cows, uh, the ability to sing well, and to be a great drinking companion. And apparently they were still friends afterward, which is to me just the strangest thing. And, uh, you know, if you are listening and you are married or you have been married or you are engaged, congratulations. I absolutely wish you the best. Please, 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 whatever you do, don't try to sell your spouse. Just don't do it. It's so weird. It's a bad look. It's not a good look. Yeah, no, it's poor, poor form. <laughs> it's very poor form. And thankfully, in this day and age, it is illegal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was illegal back then, but uh, the authorities seem perfectly willing to throw to turn a blind eye to it. Certainly would not be the case today. I think this would be highly frowned upon, um, and uh, you probably wouldn't be able to get away with it. Yeah, so. it's human trafficking. That's what. That's the word, Ben. <laughs> that's the word. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and as always, we would love to hear uh, some of your takes, your feedback, uh, or your understanding of similar situations if some occurred in your neck of the global woods you can find us on instagram you can find us on facebook you can speak with your fellow ridiculous historians on our facebook page ridiculous historians yeah if you want to check out me and my various adventures around town with my uh, weird 10 year old you can check me out at embryonic insider on instagram and i believe when this episode comes out i'll either have just returned or be on the way to the DMZ. So if you want to see some pictures of that, follow me on at Ben Bolin at Instagram. Thank you, uh, super producer Casey Pegram. Thanks to our research associate, Eves Jeffcoat, who we really should have on the show at some point. She's got some really cool stuff brewing. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed the theme. And thanks to you, Ben Bolin, for being a pal and a, and a, and a cohort. Likewise, Noel, thank you. And luckily, I did not find a comic book uh, that pertained to today's topic that was worth recommending, which I think is a good sign for society overall. Agreed. See you next time, folks. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, 
host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.